You're listening to the Tipsy Nerds Book Club Podcast, your home for the best of science fiction and fantasy with a twist. Whether you prefer your stories with dragons or aliens, your beverages shaken or stirred, fill your glass, relax, and join the conversation with your hosts, sci-fi and fantasy authors and proud tipsy nerds, Natalie Wright and R.S. Dabney. Welcome, tipsy nerds, book lovers, science fiction and fantasy fans, and dragon lovers, to episode five of the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast. We are today discussing Dragonflight, book one of the Dragon Riders of Hearn by Anne McCaffrey, published in 1968. I am your host, Natalie Wright, and with me, as always, is my amazing co-host, Robin Dabney. Hi, Robin. Hi, Natalie. I am super excited for this episode. Uh, For those who have kind of been listening along, we actually recorded this episode um, or are recording this episode the day this podcast releases to the world. So we are having a wonderful day. We're both excited. So it's kind of fun to to be recording on the same date that this is releasing. Yes, yes. And I've been enjoying some kind of like pre-game, you know, like beverages, like pre-episode beverages to celebrate. So I'm already right. feeling pretty good. We're, yeah, it's an extra we're tipsy also, episode. Yeah, definitely. I think we're also still pretty excited about our conversation the other day with Hugh Howie, the author of Wool. We had good times with that. Yeah, definitely. I I think it was it was fun. It was interesting. He was very insightful and philosophical both on the story and the world and that was really interesting to be part of and it made me appreciate his work and the story even more. And he really embraced the tipsy vibe. It was 6 a.m. in the morning for him and he was, you know, basically drinking straight up tequila. <laughs> out of a sake glass. So <laughs> he showed us up. Yeah, he did. So he, he, <laughs> yeah, he embraced the tipsy nerd vibe and we were really, we were jamming on that. But I did want to mention for anyone who's listened to episode four, if you feel like there wasn't enough Robin in that episode, you may be right. There were some, well, first of all, it started with a flaming drink. Okay. So she was drinking a flaming drink, <laughs> but then she was having technical issues. So she was texting me, letting me know she was having the technical issues where she could hear us, but we couldn't hear her. So she was texting me questions to ask you and I'm, I'm asking him the questions, but she, and Hugh stops at some point and he's like, uh, is Robin okay? Because you know, he would, she had been drinking a flaming drink. So <laughs> he was concerned that like her house had burned down or something. And and I'm like, no, she's she's fine. You know, I knew you were fine. But um, yeah, so... I hope that makes it into the episode. <laughs> yeah, it, like it, it, it would be so applicable. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, windstorms were happening for Robin, but her house was not, you know, burning down. So that was fine. So, you know, these things yeah. happen. I'm here today. So. Yes, exactly. But today we're we're moving on. We're talking about a fantasy, kind of fantasy novel. I guess it's sort of fantasy, but it's sort of sci-fi, right? Yeah, that's what I got out of it. It was kind of a an interesting blend. It's like it started out fantasy and then all of a sudden switches to this to sci-fi, if that's a yeah. thing, like a half and half novel. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely felt that way. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things reasons why Dragon Riders Dragonflight is on the list of the NPR top 100 and why it's on our list then is because historically it was, you know, important. It sort of ushered in the dragon. In a way, I think she's a precursor to a lot of dragon stories that come later, you know, sort of almost inventing some of the ideas about dragons that 
other later authors like the inheritance cycle, you know, pick up on. She also historically was important in McCaffrey because she was the first woman to win both a Hugo for fiction and a Nebula Award. I think she was the first woman to win a Nebula at all. So that's that's kind of an interesting little tidbit, a little bit of, fic, uh, you know, factoid. I saw that when I was researching her and I did, you know, we will get into this conversation. This was not my favorite book I've ever read. Yeah. We'll put it that way. There were definitely some pieces I enjoyed, but I really have respect for the fact that she was writing in this genre in 1968, that she won such esteemed awards and that she did pave the way for future writing. And like everything, we've talked about this, especially last week with you, how writing has evolved. I'm trying to put this into a historical perspective of when it was written. And so maybe some of the issues I had with it were more of a, a time period thing than I don't, I don't know. We'll get into that. Let's get into that right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it right now. So any yeah. of you who haven't read it, I just want to give a little setup. So essentially there's this, uh, the main character is Lessa and Lessa has lived a somewhat difficult life in a hold where a, a kind of a, a bad guy, an evil guy, is took over the hold, and her family was killed. And she's kind of kept herself alive through various methods. We won't reveal what they are. And she ends up being chosen to end up going to the Dragonware and being a werewoman, and being basically the the caretaker, I guess, or the the companion of the queen dragon. You know, she's. She's kind of like a chosen one in a way, and she ends up being playing a very important role in this uh, in this time. Yeah. So, Robin, what were what were some of the issues that you didn't like about the novel? What were some things that were concerning to you? So, one of the like you just mentioned in this story, it's like the main character is this woman, and when you say it like that, it sounds so cool. You have this woman in 1968 in a book who is chosen to kind of lead these dragons to be connected to the queen dragon. It sounds like this incredible like feminist story with a powerful woman and she is she is strong and powerful, right. but there's just so much like misogyny in the book a bit. Right. All the men are just and I and I have to again like I'm the one who in did Android or do Android's dream of electric sheep was like, "Hey, we have to look at this in a historical context." And this is not fair, but I think for some reason, because it's a female author, I'm like, come on, like, <laughs> like, right. you know, Philip K. Dick is one thing writing about it, but you like you have this opportunity. But again, maybe she's trying to appeal to a wider mass. But it's like all of the moments of feminism were sort of like torn down for me when her part partner is who's also one of the main characters is like kind of rapey and abusive and it was just hard for me to like anybody and to get into that yeah i i think there are so many issues with the writing in this story one of the issues that occurs that you don't see as much in modern writing and if you do see it editors like you know beat it out of you it's first of all they she head hops so there is no yes. set path. You know, contrast this with uh, the Game of Thrones, a Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin, where, for example, he, he has all these characters, like tons and tons of characters, but each chapter is a point of view of just one character. So you know, if it's an Arya chapter, we're getting everything from Arya's perspective, and when a writer does that, it allows more of a deep dive into the character. 
So you get the great character development. And this book, we head hop like a motherfucker. I mean, it's like one minute yeah. you are with Flar, the love interest and and the head wear dude. And we're in his perspective and he's having observations of Lessa. And then a few paragraphs later, we're in Lessa's point of view. And then a few paragraphs later, we might be in a completely different person's point of view. And so this is something that for me was very disorienting as a reader, but also it really doesn't allow you to get as deeply involved in individual characters. So, so I don't give a shit about any of these characters is what I think at the end. I, I mean, like whether they live or die, it's like, well, oh, yeah, meh, whatever. So there was that. Well, and I think that. I think that head hopping you're talking about also like one, it it decreased the character development, but really right at the beginning, she head hops a lot and I was still getting my footing and everybody's like named Flar and Fax (laughs) and Fnor and she head hops even between the human and the dragon. So it's like, she's introducing us to Flar and Nemeth. And I didn't know Nemeth was a dragon for a while. I didn't know who was a dragon, who was a a human. I had to go back and read a couple of times and it, it felt like a lot of her world building initially was just like give these guys really crazy medieval sounding names and that's all i need to do to put people in this world she did more than that but the head hopping really was it detracted as a reader from an enjoyment standpoint and from what you're saying that character development standpoint right, right. so this is a, a you know a negative aspect of the story that as a modern reader you know it's i think it's a little jarring when you're reading books like you know, for example, the Game of Thrones or some of these other more modern books. And then you go to backward in time to some of these pre-1970 books where, frankly, just the writing itself, I don't think is, is as strong as modern writing. But the story, there there are cool aspects to the story. All the things about the dragons are pretty cool. They're like iridescent eyes and the fact that they can communicate with their dragon riders telepathically. I mean, that's kind of a cool aspect. So I can see where, and you know, I think it's a story that if I was like 14, I would have, I would have really liked. It's almost like a YA novel. Uh, To me, it reads like a YA novel, but for the fact that Lessa is having sex with, you know, Flar, I mean, that would be a YA novel, but, or I hope it wouldn't be. But anyway, I mean, it's kind of like a YA novel. Yeah, no, I I would be interested for all of the people who are fans of this. When did you read it and have you read it recently and and did your thoughts change? Again, we don't, our goal is not to set out and knock any books on this show, but this is just one that we're going to have fun with this, but it wasn't necessarily our favorite. And we we would love to hear what some of you have to say. I, I do agree that one of the positive aspects were the dragons. I think I can also say that her creativity is really neat. Like the fact that she melded this sci-fi and fantasy, I think the dragons are cool. The alien enemy, the threads is kind of a cool concept. The time traveling dragons. I mean, come on time traveling dragons. That's badass. Right. It was the execution that I think falls flat. I agree. If you're, if you're a young adult, I think this has enough in it that you can enjoy it as an adult novel. It's pretty flimsy, but you're right. When you have dragons mating that then makes humans have sex. It's like, how do you sell that to a 13 year old? I don't know. (laughs) That was a little weird for me, but again, if this was an erotica novel, it's like dragon porn. But if it's not, it's like, that's a very bizarre twist kind of in my mind. (laughs) It would have been better as dragon porn, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. 
Or (laughs) (laughs) that could have been, oh, I mean, because like every time they're going to have sex, it's kind of like at the end of a chapter and it's like, ooh, you know, they're sitting there fighting like cats and dogs in, and it's got the classic like Sam and Diane from Cheers and, you know, those sorts of, and and like every, I don't know, Danielle Steele and Harlequin romance I read in in high school, you know, (laughs) I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. It definitely had that flavor to it, which, you know, it's just not for me very interesting, but basically they're fighting like cats and dogs and she's, and it, it has a lot of these asides. Like she said, glaring at him knowingly with her chiseled cheeks. I mean, I almost at the end of every sentence, there's that kind of thing. Where, yeah, very overwritten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they have sex. <laughs> it's like, and then it's like inti- you know, intimated that now they're going to go to bed together. So it's like, I hate him, but I'm still going to bang him, you know? And so it's like, okay, well, that's one way to, I guess, do it. But um yeah, but not even in a way that like gets you interested because right there's, right. I mean, we're delving into like now the erotica realm, but it's like, you know, you can have that like antagonistic relationship in a sexy way. And this is just right. like in a very clinical way, the transition. And so, right. again, 1968, they're not really like, it's not Fifty Shades of Grey at that point, but it was very weird. <laughs> right. Like I'm saying, I think maybe it would have been better if it had been, but you know, like, I don't know. Like, I want to hear more about why dragons make them randy. I mean, that sounds kind of interesting. And that didn't, you know, we didn't get more of that. But (laughs) but I thought of a cool drinking game, actually. If this was a show, uh, one of the drinking games you could have is someone's got to drink every time that Flar shakes Lessa. Shakes. Like, I'm talking (laughs) literal, like, taking her by the shoulders and shaking her. Because I swear to goodness, like, every freaking two minutes in this book, he's shaking her. And it's like she even at one point says, "She, see, I told you he was going to shake me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, right? And I, I actually went on and after I read this, because when I read a book that I don't love, I get on and I read negative reviews of it. I don't know why, just to right. maybe, like, commiserate. Right. But most people, the biggest concern that the majority of readers on Goodreads, that's where I looked, had was that the relationship between Flar and Lessa felt abusive and it hasn't aged well and so even though this is set in like a feudal society it is male dominated the relationship didn't have to be that i don't think i think you can still set up a very male dominated world but if you want me to like and invest myself in this relationship you cannot have the man shaking the woman you just i don't know any other way right i mean two things one at one point I think he says he shook her so hard she almost fell unconscious or something. I mean, it's like shaking her very hard. And it's just bizarre because it's shaking over and over again. I'm like, what did, What was going on yeah. for this writer? Why did she have this man shaking the shit out of this lady? Uh, so there was that going on. But Yeah, because like... I don't think that was a thing also, right. you know, it's like, was that ever a common right. fad? Um, maybe a long time. I don't know. It was because this is also a futuristic society, right? right? Let's let, we'll bring that in. This happens like post earth. So these are descendants of earth. So at one point they were us and then have kind of like digressed and forgotten back into this feudal society. But I don't know. That was a leap for me also a little bit because I don't know, just to think that, not that I don't think that human beings don't have the capacity to digress. I think we definitely do. But to completely forget and let it get to that point in 400 years or whatever it was, 
it seemed a little bit of a stretch for me. I don't know. Right. There were a lot of stretches, but yeah, the relationship between Flar and Lessa was uh, definitely just a downer and it detracted from any enjoyment. Like I would be getting into the novel when they're, they're talking about talking to their dragons telepathically, riding the dragons. There is an exciting scene where they're trying to burn these threads that are like, there are spores coming down to the earth from the star. So they're basically foreign invaders. And that's all very exciting and how the dragons basically go through what's called the in-between to fight those spores. And so they essentially can travel through through space, like go from one spot to the next. And then we learn that they also can do it through time, which adds an interesting element to the book. A very convenient element. I mean, again, the yeah. editor in me was like, well, that's convenient, a way to yeah. deal with that. But, you know, it, it's still of interest. And then you get together with these two characters they are supposed to be having this relationship. And it was just very bizarre. So I found it very distracting. And definitely, I mean, at one point, he says that his first time with her, he regretted because essentially he, he, he admits to raping her in their first sexual encounter. And then it's like, yeah, gee, I guess I can't blame her for basically being cold to me after yeah. that. <laughs> imagine you know very aware that one very self-aware so, yeah um so, so you brought up the, the threads which I, I wanted to ask about what, what did you think about the threads as an antagonist as an enemy i wasn't thrilled with it personally and one of the reasons is because i was having a hard time picturing what they are the other thing, I guess, just in general, having it's difficult to have an enemy that doesn't have consciousness. At least I don't think the, the threads have consciousness. It didn't seem that they do. Um, maybe they do, and I'm just wrong. I, I haven't read additional books, but it seemed to me... Uh, what did you think, Robin? Do they have consciousness, these threads, these spores that are coming to the planet? I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. And and I agree with where you're going on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's difficult stories where you have like a natural disaster. This is like a natural disaster story. So, you know, it could be an avalanche. It could be a hurricane. It could be a storm, you know, anything like that. Those are somewhat hard stories. And when they're done well, generally we have a human antagonist involved as well, right? Someone who's standing in the way of the hero um, saving us from the natural disaster. So we interject a, something with some, you know, consciousness who's making decisions. So these spores aren't necessarily, at least from our perspective as a reader, we don't think that they're coming down here with consciousness to like devour our planet or, or to change it. It's just, they're just doing their spore thing. They're just living a life, you know? So I don't know. That was just something for me. It was like, there's this enemy that's not really an enemy. I don't know. And it's very far off. It's most of the book. It's like, we haven't seen them. We don't really know what they're like. It's all the lore. And then when we see them, it almost feels like we're not getting enough time to understand what they are. It's just very quick. At least those were my thoughts, Robin. What did you think about this? Yeah, I agree. One of the things that drove me nuts about this book, maybe that strong language drove me nuts, but she would use these made up words and then right. never tell you what it was until, you know, way into the book. So it's like, I'm sitting here reading about threads and all the opening, not even knowing what I'm supposed to be afraid of. So I'm not afraid. So I don't invest right. in that part of the story because I don't know what it is. Um, even at the beginning, 
you know, she just she mentions watchwares and all of this verbiage about the dragons and whatnot, but she doesn't actually say, hey, a watchware is a dragon. And so that caused me, again, at the beginning to be like, I don't know who is a dragon, who is man, because I don't even know what a watchware is. And I think maybe I'm completely daft, but I do feel that there's a really nice, subtle way to slip in. Like if I'm writing and I'm creating something new, my I always try to define it at least a little bit initially so that somebody has something to grasp onto. Otherwise, right, you know, they'll get confused and they won't care. And that's I found myself in that place a lot throughout the story, unfortunately. I agree. So it, it was a little bit of a difficult story for us to get into, but we're definitely into our cocktails <laughs> that we're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the story because it was an excuse to make a drink. Yeah. And so uh, we, I, I, I am drinking something I created called the Golden Scale in honor of Rameth, who is Lessa's golden dragon and the queen of dragons, uh, the one that basically bonds with Lessa and is is her her dragon. Now I'm babbling about it because I'm tipsy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the drink I made, the point of the drink is that it's golden and color to represent that damn dragon. Um, And so what's in it? I made a thyme-infused bourbon. So I took some fresh sprigs of thyme, put them in a mason jar with some bourbon, left it overnight. Ideally, you would do this, you know, leave it three or four days, depending on how strong of a thyme taste you want. Mine tastes very delicious. So I take that uh, thyme-infused bourbon, pour it over ice, and then top it with a little bit of ginger ale. And it's really, really tasty. Nice, bubbly, golden color. So this is in honor of me wanting a drink and this lovely golden dragon. <laughs> and then what about you? Yeah, let's let's just do this mid-show. So, what are you drinking? Yeah. So Robin sent me the recipe and I was going to do it, but I was like too, basically too lazy. We'll call it, well, we'll, we'll be kind to me. I was too busy to go to yeah. the grocery store and buy time. So I said, you know what? I'm going to come up with a different drink. I'm calling mine the in-between which represents uh, how the dragons go through space and time. They go to what's called the in-between, which is very cold, and they're kind of in a a nowhere land, right? And then they reappear where they want to be. But they can get caught in the in-between, and that's very dangerous. They can die. So if you stay in the in-between too long, you're, you're dead to the world. Okay, so we don't want our drink to do that, though. But I tell you, this one's very strong. So if you drink too many of these, you might stay in the in-between. But my drink is my drink is simply absinthe, uh, absolute citron. So uh, any kind of citrus vodka and absinthe, and it's it'll knock you on your ass. So I've been sipping mine judiciously because I don't want to completely just fall over. But yeah, it's pretty good. Sounds like it could compete with the uh, pangalactic gargle blaster. I think it could actually. I think it could. I think it could. So yeah. It's a, I, I like the name, though. I think that that's a very fitting drink for the concept of the book that you picked for it. Yeah, thank you. And it's easy to make, so that's always good, too. Yeah, so Dragonflight, not our favorite on the list so far. I think, though, I can see where the concepts were very new back in 1968. And I think probably a lot of readers who love the series read it when they were younger, so probably more like middle school and high school. And I can see where if you picked the book up you know, back in the 1970s, for example, and you were in your high school or middle school years, I could see where you'd really like it uh, for the dragon aspect. And I can see where it really influenced a lot of future dragon things, like even um, How to Train Your Dragon is sort of reminiscent 
of the Dragon Riders of Pern. I can see where it may have influenced that. It is, yeah. So, do you think maybe there was just like too much going on so that she couldn't actually develop anything where you have this feudal medieval society with dragons who travel through space and through time and are mating with humans mating and then spores from the red star falling down and it's just a lot of cool things that don't really go together so it maybe was disjointed to write and that led to it being kind of disjointed to read. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think if I was her editor, what I would tell her is a couple things. Now, she's deceased. So, and even if she was alive, she wouldn't be listening to me because she's Anne McCaffrey and she sold gazillions of books without my yeah. advice. So let's be clear. But yeah, if I was editing this book, what I would say is separate these different characters into different chapters, more like George did. Second of all, she just needed to write a lot more. I know that may sound weird, but yeah, it's it's just she actually just glosses over things. And if she had slowed the writing down and taken more time to develop these things between the, like the relationships and explained more, I think for me it would have been a richer story. So that's why a lot of uh, high fantasy stories or science fiction stories are, you know, 120, 200, 300,000 words long because, you know, you have a lot that the reader's trying to take in and she's just glossing over it like we know what the hell she's talking about. You know, I, I don't know what these threads are. They sound beautiful to me. I'm not understanding they're a threat, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not right. I like this team yeah. thread. Of- yeah. So I mean, I don't um, know. That's just my thought. I think it's cool that she. I personally like that she mixed the two things because that tends to be the sort of writing that I do. I I mix science fiction and fantasy. I call it sci fantasy. Uh, I don't know if that's really a thing, but you know, I'm t- com- commonly mixing. It should be. Yeah, yeah. I'm commonly mixing the two elements where I might have a society on a different planet that we're meeting along with futuristic, you know, technology. They may have a more feudal system or something like that. So that personally didn't bother me, but I think it, it's just the kind of story then you have to slow it down because you have to give the reader more about it. So. Yeah, I I got online after reading this to see if there was a movie or a TV show and nothing has been made so far, which is bizarre to me to have such a classic that has not been converted. Um it looked like on IMDb that there is something potentially in development. And I would I would go see the movie. I would I would check out the story, see what they do with it. I don't know as a reader that I would read any more in this series. I would check out Anne McCaffrey's work because she is an icon and I don't think it's fair to base something off of one story but unfortunately this is not you know going to go onto my list of right. favorites. Right. Yeah, I think that the ideas here though when you just it, it try to separate out the idea and certainly I think a television show would be a really cool idea I think for this rather than a movie because there's yeah. more to come and clearly at the end of the book you you know that there this is just the beginning. It's no illusion at the end that this is wrapping up the whole story. You know, there's a whole lot more to it. So, you know, definitely you can see where you can do a show where you could have a whole season that's like book one, where you're in this feudal system and you can modernize it and make the relationship between Flar and Lessa Less Rapey and all that. 
But then you could go into the second season. What if the second season was just completely back story, which I think the books do. I think in the series, that's exactly what she does. She goes backward in time to prior to Lessa and Flar's time. Okay. And I think that would be, you know, you, I mean, I could see that in my mind. That would be a cool series that I would want to see. And I want to see these dragons fly, yeah. you know, and I want to see them doing the whole mating ritual and all that. That sounds, that sounds badass to me. <laughs> I mean, the woman's driving, right? It driving. Does, no, it She's does. riding a fucking dragon. You know, I mean, how cool is that? It's, there are lots of cool things. And I think if it was made as a TV show today, like you said, they would modernize it and it would be awesome. And I think if they do make this into a movie or a TV show, we should watch it and revisit it for an episode, you know, even a mini yeah. episode or something. But I, I think we should give it a second chance with a modern take. Yeah, I agree. You know, we have to admire Anne McCaffrey's, you know, work and the fact that she was a woman writer writing at a time when, you know, there just weren't a lot of women getting re- able to get published and then get recognition for their work. So she was um, an amazing for forebear woman, forebear, forewoman. I don't know. <laughs> for a woman. For a woman, yeah. yeah. Sci fantasy. Yeah. yeah. I will make up words. You know, I, and again, yes, I, I have nothing but respect for Anne McCaffrey. Uh, I cannot like a book and still appreciate and respect an author and the work that went right. into something. So saying all these things now, obviously, is just our personal right. opinion. But yeah, kudos to her and, and thanks to her for, you know, paving the way for people like you and me. Absolutely. Tipsy uh, nerd listeners, we would love to hear your take on Dragonflight, the Dragon Riders of Pern. If you are a huge fan of the series, we respect that. Everybody has their own tastes. And so we would love to hear what you love about the series, what you love about Dragonflight. Tell us your stories about that. Yeah. And, you know, we, we would like to hear from you. We always want to hear from tipsy nerds about what they're drinking. So if you make the drinks that are going to be featured with this episode, send us your photos, send us your pictures, send us uh, on Instagram, Facebook, wherever, wherever. And uh, we want to see those. Yeah. And please do. If you, if you are one of those people that absolutely disagree with this episode. We want to hear why we're wrong and what you loved about this story, uh, because maybe with a, a different perspective that will help. And again, this is a book club, so we want it to be a discussion. We want people to challenge us and join in. So please, please, please reach out. Yeah, absolutely. So Robin, it's always a pleasure talking with you about books, whether we enjoy the books or not, whether we agree or disagree. It's always so much fun. And this drink is really tasty. I- I'm almost inclined to have another, but I don't dare, do I? I might get stuck in the in between. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're celebrating. Yeah, we're celebrating the launch of our podcast, so I think if now is Woo-hoo! the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. an excuse, and hopefully yeah. by the time people are listening to episode <laughs> yeah. five, we actually still have listeners, and we haven't like scared them away <laughs> through yeah. the first four episodes. Yeah, that would be nice. If not, again, I enjoy talking yeah. to you, so this is yeah, fun anyway. Exactly. <laughs> well, we uh, have enjoyed sharing our take on Dragonflight with you, and we hope that you will turn in next week. We are going to be discussing one of my favorite authors, actually, Terry Pratchett, and his 
story, Small Gods. So that's on tap for next week. Have you read any Terry Pratchett before, Robin? So I have not. I am in the middle of Small Gods, though, and I must say I am absolutely loving it. So I am now going to be reading Terry Pratchett. Yes. But we will be talking about Small Gods, and we look forward to that conversation. So until then, happy reading, Tipsy Nerds, and cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Tipsy Nerds Book Club Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the fun with your friends and family. Love what you heard and want the fun to continue? Head over to Patreon and become a patron of the Tipsy Nerds Podcast. We love our patrons. Want a recipe for a cocktail you heard here? You can find recipes as well as show notes, episode transcripts, and helpful links on our website, tipsynerdsbookclub.com. And as always, join us next week for a new episode of Libations and Geeking Out. Cheers.